This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how are you? Fantastic on this Wednesday night, recording 8.30 instead of 9.30 for the first of, for me at least, the second semester of podcasts. Yeah, yeah, back in that college grind. Last semester, senior yeah, year. I don't want to talk about it. It's a little scary. I'm starting to apply to jobs <laughs> and looking yeah. at it. If anyone out there listening of our 15, 20 viewers uh, needs a job opening, please contact me. But looking at jobs, it's absolutely um, scary. It is. He'll get there. He'll survive. That's what this entire semester is dedicated to. It is. It's kind of a rough semester. But yeah, yeah. So in terms of our Jamie sports stuff tonight, we're going to be pretty brief. Um, There's not a ton going on. Nothing. Nothing going on. Yeah, in the winter season, just the two basketballs, track and field started, but there's obviously no real coverage or way to watch them, so it's kind of hard to actually comment too much on what they're doing. Um, yes, we'll start with men's basketball. They're 8-9, and nine, just beat the College of Charleston in a big win. We've seen them get big wins before. So is this win, do you think it means anything, or is it just another kind of flash in the So pan? I kind of said this last podcast where I said, this three-game stretch, you said, is it time to hit the panic button? on men's basketball after that Elon loss, that three-point Elon loss. And I said, Mm -hmm. let's hold off for a second. Let's get through uh, the UNCW game, College of Charleston, and Towson. And then then I'll decide whether or not to hit the panic button. So I kind of go back to that with this College of Charleston game. They won 69-58, a great showing. Darius Banks has come up huge, and he's shown to be very, very good. He did in the UNCW game, unfortunately, a double OT loss. But – Came up big in the College of Charleston. But it all comes down to me is this Towson game on Saturday. How are they going to play? 
can they string together back-to-back wins or are they going to come out flat and lose? And if they, we said it, if they could get out of this three game stretch, two and one. Yeah, that'd be a good step in the right direction. And it's, it's good to see him get this one. The UNCW loss was a little disappointing because that's a game that they probably should have won. Um, they had, you know, numerous occasions in that game when they had the lead late or they tied it late or whatever, and they had a chance to win it. Didn't get it done. They raced out to a crazy start. I think they were up 19-4 to four at one point on the College of Charleston. They are up 17 at halftime, uh, and that got cut to two in the second Woo! half, but they did end up winning by 11. But it's just one of those games, again, where they, like, let a big lead dwindle, but they did hold on against a, a quality opponent. So it's a good win. It's just a matter of can they actually do it consistently? Because, I mean, they shot really well across the board. They played pretty well, an impressive performance, but it's just – you know, how many games are they going to shoot 50, above 50% from three and above 50% from the yeah, floor? Yeah, they – scorching. 54 and a half from the field, 52 behind the arc. Like, just scary numbers. Right, and then on the other hand, the College of Charleston was four of 18 from three. So, I mean, you have stuff like that where you can say some of it's defense, you can say some of it's getting good looks. Whatever it is, it's just a matter of actually doing it consistently, and no team is going to shoot 55% from three you know, consistently. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that is a little concerning. It's just a matter of how consistently they'll shoot at this level. They still turn the ball over 17 times, which is the one thing you, you can't do. Like, I mean, that's seven possessions. If you're scoring a point of possession, just getting it down to 10 turnovers, you would have 76 instead of 69 in terms of points. So, I mean, it's just right there is sort of an area I think they need to get a lot better is limiting turnovers. But it's some of the same mistakes, but still a huge win. I have a sneeze coming. Without, yeah, without a doubt. Back to the UNCW game, though. You, you said a lot of chances to win. Did you watch the end of that game? Yeah, so, I believe so. There was that. We're going to get into a little controversy because who doesn't love controversy and nitpicking plays? The very end of regulation, UNCW had a tip in that you could have argued it was goaltending because it was very close to the rim. Did he push it while it was still on the rim for UNCW, which ended up tying and setting it to OT? What were you? Th- what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean that was a close one, and it was either that or like the first OT or whatever, and it was, you know, a close play to me. It looked like on the replay and live that it was offensive goaltending, which probably would have given Jamie the win if they had called that, uh, but they didn't call it. Let it go. It was kind of a bang yeah. bang play, but it's one of those that you know you you really want any break you can get if you're JMU. They weren't able to get it, and then they lost that game. The big concern to me is it did go to double OT, but they still had three guys score 20 points, and they lost the game. They also got killed rebounding. They lost the rebounding battle by 21, which is is a concern, especially if the game's close. It's not like they're shooting an unnecessarily high percentage compared to their opponent, so that was kind of an issue. I'll kind of give a little excuse to that for JMU basketball. I feel like when you're going up against Devontae Kaycock, who pulls down 19 boards in that game, just a little bit of, like, not not the, not the to excuse it, but kind of to excuse it, you know what I mean? But Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, he's, that's definitely, definitely a game that you're probably going to lose the rebounding battle. It's just when you get absolutely murdered. Yeah on the glass. Well, I'm just looking at like a guy like Wilson had six Phillips had five. I think you probably want a little more out of those two guys. Yeah. You're not really expecting a ton out of your guards. And then also a little odd that Greg Jones and Zach Jacobs, they had 11 combined minutes and zero rebounds. Those seem like 
two that in that kind of game you might throw out there just to have like a second body out there to be able to grab rebounds. But that kind of brings us to our other point. We've been talking about the lineups a lot, sort of yeah. who they're playing, some of the post players. They've gone to the small yes. lineup that we both like quite a bit. Do you think they should keep doing that? Do you think they will keep doing that? I love that lineup. Um, I, I think – I think they just listened to the podcast, and that's what what gave them the idea. <laughs> but I love that lineup because you can you can sub at the first dead ball and get bigger men in. You can you can play that out a little bit in the beginning of the game when rebounding isn't as much as a as a top priority in the beginning of the game. You want your shots to fall. You want your best to me beginning of the game. You want your best offense out there, and that kind of showed in the College of Charleston game. So I'm a big fan of the small lineup. But something I'm, I, that's kind of interesting to me in terms of small lineups and things like that is in that JMU Charleston game, Zach Jacobs didn't see the floor at all. So I just wonder what his role moving forward is going to be in the lineup. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting thing. I didn't even notice that. So him not playing is, is something worth, worth keeping an eye on for fans and anyone watching the team. Devell Phillips has battled injuries a bit, but even then he was still just 14 minutes. He's somebody that hasn't gotten a ton of playing time and, some of that is Dwight Wilson's look pretty good. He had another double-double. He's a good rebounder. But, yeah, I like the small one. I think it gives him the best chance to score. I also like Pinkert off the bench. They haven't played him a lot, but he's a pretty aggressive guard that seems to do well defensively, gets a few offensive rebounds, scores here and there. So I'm interested to see how they continue to use the small lineup the rest of the way. But in my opinion, I think the small lineup's probably the way to go from here on out. I think Deshaun Parker at point guard makes way more sense than Matt yeah. Lewis just because he doesn't turn the ball over nearly as much. I, and he can shoot very well. And I, I think it gives Matt a really good opportunity to stop worrying about handling the ball and just make him go out and shoot. You like you can go out there and you can just focus on shooting the ball and playing offense, really, where if he's at the guard, if he's at the one, he has to worry about everything else. Exactly, yeah. I kind of like him in that two role where he's able to get free and focus on scoring and maybe doing some stuff off the ball. And I also think having Parker at the point guard, it maybe helps set up other guys like Darius Banks. Darius Banks doesn't do a ton of ISO. He does have some good step back moves and some good ISO moves, but he's somebody that if you can get him the ball in a catch and shoot situation or an area where maybe he's cutting toward the basket, something like that, and they actually find him. I feel like that makes him a more valuable scorer and they seem to be really good when he's good. Yeah. I I think Shane Metlin of the, DNR mm-hmm. put out a piece or a tweet or something talking about when Darius is on, the team is on. And I think when he's the leading scorer this season, they're 3-0. and Granted, I think two of those were D3 opponents, so how much validity do we put into that and things like that. But in this Charleston game, just keep coming back to it because, yeah, they beat Radford, but this is a CAA opponent, kind of the top of the CAA. So if you want a good game to keep going back to, this is the one. 21 points for Banks, 31 for Matt Le- – excuse me, 13 for Matt Lewis, and 13 for Stuckey. Do you think Darius needs to be that go-to number one scorer for this team to win, or do you think he just needs to be able to hit his shots when called upon? I like Banks when he shoots the most, honestly. I know that maybe that doesn't make a ton of sense in the game flow sometimes, but there are a lot of times, especially late in games, where they do a lot of ISO with Matt Lewis. And Matt Lewis is a pretty good ISO player, but when he does ISO, it's pretty obvious what's happening and he's pretty easy to defend and there are way too many times late in the game where teams know what he's going to do and he's firing up an off balance shot or whatever hoping for a foul 
I don't really think that makes a ton of sense. And I've seen Banks have more success on those things, so I'd like to see him kind of focus more on his scoring. I think they're 8-3 and three on the year when he scores 10 points or more, and then they're 0-6 when he doesn't. So it seems like somebody you want to get the ball and kind of make him the focal yeah. point. And then I think that that opens up a little bit of more room for Mosley and, and Lewis to get going. Yeah, I'm excited to see what's going to happen Saturday against Towson because if they can go out and put together another performance like they had against Charleston, I won't be fully back on the bandwagon, but I will put ha- a foot on the bandwagon. Yeah, I mean, they need to start putting wins together, get a little yeah. streak going. Towson's a perfect time to do it. It's at home. Towson's not very good. It should be a time to get two in a row. And if they do, I think it'd be really important because then you have at Delaware, at Drexel, both are winnable games. They're not, like, guaranteed wins by any stretch, but they're winnable games. If you're able to have a good stretch there, then you get Hofstra and Northeastern, both really talented teams. The good news is it's at home. Yeah. So maybe maybe there's a little stretch coming where they kind of – turn the tables. I think they need to just to boost their confidence, if nothing else. So we'll see what they do after a week off after the win over the college of Charleston, but a, a good sign at least for the team after they've been struggling. quite. Yeah. A I, very signs of life, a double OT loss. You don't know if they're going to come out tired or, or just right. kind of fatigued and flat. There, there's the word. If, if they're just going to come out flat and just not play well, but I think they squashed any thought of that when they come out on that scorch of a run, which is great because it shows they're able to. And the Radford game, going back to that one, back at the beginning of December, you beat a receiving votes team at that time. You beat them at home. You beat College of Charleston at home. But at the same time, I don't know if that just goes to show that this team is a different animal at home than it is when they leave uh, Convo. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's that's been a kind of a struggle under row is those road games. So I think that if they're able to figure that out, and then just consistently win at home, then maybe they do have a stretch at the end of the season where they can get it going. But kind of hard to tell at this point. But we do know that one team is great at home all the time, and that's Jamie Women's Basketball. (laughs) They're undefeated again this year at home, 5-0 right now. I believe they have, yes, they have their first conference home game coming up on Friday against Hofstra. Right now the Dukes are 10-3, 2-0 in CAA play. What have you seen so far from this team? And, What's impressing you as they have started conference play now in the last What week? I've seen is a team that should be 12-1 and one up until this point. A couple weird losses to Hampton and to Wake Forest. But a team that is a defensive power. They go up against Drexel, which is one of the best defensive teams in the CAA, if not the country. And you mm-hmm. hang 51 up on them, which like isn't a huge number. But at the same time, you held them to 35. This team is scary good. They shoot the ball well. They defend extremely well. And the loss of um, Kelly Kashuda, I thought, would kind of play more in some of their post play and, and some of their bigs. But Kayla Cooper-Williams, Devin Merritt, and Ania Young have absolutely come up huge for them. I, I really like this women's team. I think they're real CAA contenders, like real CAA contenders. Yeah, this team's been playing great. And I was looking at some of those – national defensive stats and Drexel leads the country in points allowed per game at like 46 or 47 and JMU comes in at fifth nationally right around like 51 so that's after this weekend's game so JMU is a top five scoring defense nationally they are I think they're like number two maybe against like three point shooting percentage and then number five against 
field goal percentage. So they've been great on defense. It's just a matter of what they can do offensively. And we had a conversation, I think it might have been last week, you had brought up, as you kind of mentioned earlier here, the post players not doing a ton in terms of scoring and how that was sort of a question mark moving forward. And Jamie, it was so impressive over the weekend. Kayla Cooper-Williams, Devin Merritt, both really good scoring, which I think is a little bit surprising just given their defensive prowess. But if they can get them scoring with the guards they have, that's really important. And the one thing that also stood out to me this weekend is that Jackie Benitez has been very, very cold from the outside. And if they can get her going, it opens up a completely new sort of offensive rhythm to this team because she's been her numbers this last couple of weeks have been man she's rough. making my prediction of her being the highest scorer in CAA play just not come to fruition she was one of eight last game two of ten against Delaware but that's the thing about this team she's ice cold from deep yet they're still winning in their two CAA games by 20 points roughly yeah, she's like five out of her last 26 from three, struggling from three. But it's it's still, if you can get her going at any level, because she's got a good shot. It's not like her shot's broken. She's just not yeah. making them. So I think if they can get her going, that'd be really beneficial because they have so many players playing at a high level right now. It's a team that's exciting. And other than maybe Northeastern, I thought Drexel was kind of on JMU's level. <laughs> and then JMU sort of blew him out in the fourth quarter. Right, which makes it huge because I don't know that Drexel's got quite what it takes to come into Harrisonburg and win later in the season. They might. They've got a, a good team. But Northeastern's got a great team. They come to Harrisonburg on Sunday. That's going to be a really good test. If JMU can get by the two games, Friday against Hofstra, Sunday against Northeastern, they're 4-0, 14 games left in conference play. I mean, you can't assume they're going to go undefeated or anything like that, but they will probably be a favorite in almost every game the rest of the way if they do get these two wins this week. Yeah, I remember what we said about volleyball when they were absolutely dominating everyone. And right. They didn't even win the CAA. So, I mean, right. we keep saying that they're the cream of the crop in the CAA, but anything can happen in the tournament format. But they're they're going to be tough to beat. Tough to beat. Going back to the Jack, though, I think something that's – very excuse the I guess this could be kind of a pun she keeps up she keeps jacking up threes though which is a really right. good sign granted uh, winning kind of covers everything if they're losing you'd be like why is she taking this many shots but they're still winning right. by 20 plus points they're still on a pretty good pretty good offensive rhythm so the fact that she keeps jacking them up means she has that confidence and the team especially has that confidence in her too which I think is, is big form for this this team that not necessarily is an offensive power, but a team that has the capability to put up some offensive points. Exactly, yeah. And she did have a season-high three steals against Delaware, so she is contributing in a few other ways, which is certainly valuable. But you're right. I mean, if she continues to shoot this many, you would think at some point she's going to make more than you know one out of yeah. eight or two out of ten. So if you can get her to even just go three or four out of ten or three out of eight, whatever it is, those you know six to – nine points a game are going to be huge and kind of helping the rhythm of a game too. So she's somebody that is definitely worth keeping an eye on because if she does catch fire too, oh, she's yeah. got, you know, a seven out of 10 game, she's someone that she's going to start shooting it even more if she has that rhythm during a game. So she's somebody that could, aside from Kamaya, she's probably the only player that can drop, you know, 20, 30, 35 in a game. Yeah. I, if it's down to the why, this is a good quick hypothetical. What if, because what is a podcast without a good, what if question? 
down to the wire, CAA championship game, all the money, you're down three. Or let's say you're down two. The play that's drawn up, it's going to be a three. Who do you want it in the hands of? Or Jackie? I'm going Kamaya. I would say Jackie's a good second option, but I'm going Kamaya if it's the last shot. Yeah, I, I, I think she has the – I think she wears Kobe's number. Or, no, she wears Allen Iverson's. But yes. she really does have the Mamba mentality, though. She will just drill it. Yeah, she's a really clutch player. And she's been pretty efficient this year, too. Which 50, is... 40, 90, is that back on? I don't know if it's quite. I think her free throws are too low. Yeah. She's got 47 from the field, which is pretty good. 37 from three, which is close. But she's just 77% from the free throw line. 27 out of 35. So just you have to make so many to get nine. She'd have to just go on. She'd have to go on some. She basically has to make, like, 58 of her next 60. To get <laughs> she's there. got it, I believe. I yeah. believe. Crazy stuff, but no, they're playing well. It's good to see them doing well. So we'll see how that goes the rest of the season. I think that's pretty much all we have since there's not a ton going on, unless there's anything else that was on your mind. Nope. Mark it down. Twenty minutes. Shortest JMU sports newsletter podcast episode. Check us out on our website www.jmusportsnews.com. Follow us on Twitter at JMU Sports News. Um, both quality contents. I uh, highly recommend both of them. For Bennett Conlon, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. Thank you guys for tuning in and have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. See ya. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.